as well as adharma in religion. Translation and How can a religious system that produces envy of oneself and of others be beneficial for oneself and for them? What is so auspicious for following such a system? What is actually to be gained by causing pain to one's own self due to self-envy and by causing pain to others one arouses your anger and practices a religion? So we're going to repeat this. How can a religious system that produces envy of, of oneself and of others be beneficial for oneself and for them? What is auspicious? What is following such a system? What is actually to be gained? By causing pain to oneself due to self-envy and by causing pain to others. One arouses your anger and practices irreligion. Any irreligious system for the process of Bhagavad Dharma Services and eternal servant, servant of the Supreme Personality Goddess is a system of envy of one's own self and others. For example, there are many systems of religious religion in which animal sacrifices are recommended. Such animal sacrifices are inauspicious both for the performer and for the animal. Although one is sometimes permitted to sacrifice an animal before the Goddess Kali, and eat it instead of purchasing meat from the slaughterhouse. Permission is to eat. Permission to eat the meat after sacrifice in the presence of the goddess Kali is not the order of the Supreme Personality Goddess. It is simply a concession that a musical person who will not give up eating meat, it is meant to restrict his desire for unrestricted meat eating. Such a religious system is condemned. I'm going to comment as we go through the perfect. So in the beginning, Srila Prabhupada basically says, any religious system but the process of Bhagavad Dharma, services and eternal servant of the Supreme Personality of God is a system envy of one's own self and of others. So what does that mean? The kind of, two kind of dharma, so dharma. One dharma, the word dharma can not be actually, the correct word of dharma as English translation is not actually religion. Religion means faith. But dharma is the nature of a particular person. So there are two kinds of dharmas. One dharma is related to the body. And the other dharma is related to the, the self, the soul. Right? So here Srila Prabhupada is saying is that any dharma that is related to the body is irreligious, just to the body. And any dharma that is related to the soul is sabadharma. So, in the Vedic scriptures, it tells you all about all different kinds of dharmas. Isn't it? Karma Kanda. What is Karma Kanda all about? It is? activities and it is for the soul or is it for the body? It's for the body, right? 
So our scriptures already define all those. It tells you that. But at the end of everything after Vedyas has written, he was not satisfied. Why he was not satisfied? Because he has given so many things that was relating to the sense gratification or enjoyment of the body. Right? So Narad Muni understanding his situation, you know, pleased to him. And he brought this transcendental literature, Srimad Bhagavatam, from the spiritual world and he says, this is what he preached. This is Swadharma. So Swadharma are two things, Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam. All the other scriptures, all the other Vedas, you know, they are uh, contamination of both. You know. There might be some Swadharma in there, but there is a lot of sense gratification in relation to the body. Example, you know, um, Kali Puja. You know, Srila Prabhupada used to live in Calcutta and he used to see how all this were done, you know. Uh, back in Fiji, people used to do that as well. But it was just a means of eating meat, right? And what does this mean? It means that you are envious. What does envy mean? What is the uh, meaning of envy? Envy means when we try to actually, somebody is doing something, you take the opportunity basically. Right? So, for example, killing an animal or murdering a person, what do you have done? So, envious of that person. You don't want that person to enjoy. You know, you kill a goat or something. So the goat is supposed to live for 10 years. And you kill them in 5 years. So what does that mean? You have taken that the opportunity to live for another 5 years. And what they have to do? They have to come back and become a goat again for another 5 years. Does that make sense? So what you have done is stop their progress. See, animals and all the other living entities, apart from human beings, they have a gradual progression. They become one living entity, they go to, they don't have to do anything. It is just step by step, you continually go up. When you come to a human being, then everything changes. Here you are doing karmas, right? So, it depends. We should understand this and we have to let everybody do. The main reason why we are in this material world is because of envy. We became envious of Krishna. Why can Krishna be worshipped by everybody? Right? Why is Krishna called God? So we want to be God. Why is the controller? I want to be the controller. Right? Why does Krishna have 16,100 wife, you know? Why can't I have a few myself? You know? So all these things, all these things that we become envious of Krishna and we come to the material world. Right. And then here we have the same problem. So the way to get out of this material world is to be get rid of this envy. Right. And how do you get rid of this envy? This is the biggest problem we have, right? Even we have this envy, you know, why is that person doing that? You know, why is he doing arti, you know? Why is he doing Abhishek? Why can't I do Abhishek, you know? Why did he get a garland? Why did I get a garland? No, even with us it is there. I'm not talking about, you know. And then you might say, okay, I, Srila Prabhupada has given us the process. So by following this process, your energy will go away. And what is the process? Reading Srimad Bhagavatam, chanting Hare Krishna, you know, worshipping the deities, accepting that Krishna, 
Radharani and more super supreme, saving them with love and devotion, so that envy will go away. We have to understand that who we are, what is our position. So, there are many religions, right? Now, when this verse was spoken by Chitraketu, how many religions were there? Was Christianity there? Was Mohammedan there? This was spoken in Satyu. There was only one religion, the Vedic religion. Now, at that time, he is saying this. So, what does that mean? They, they were, he's talking about Vedic people, right? Within Vedas, there are people worshipping different things, you know. Now, you look at Kali, you know, just like it mentioned, Kali Buddha, you know, Goddess Kali. Does he accept meat? Does he? No. She's a Vaishnavi. She's a reflection of Yogmaya. Right? Then who accepts the meat and everything that are offered? Anyone? Who are our companions? Ghosts and all those people. They accept it. Whom does she trouble one? Tiger or not? The food is for them. It's not for Kali. She's a Vaishnavi. Right? There are many instances in the scriptures where we see. Give me an instance in uh, Srimad Bhagavatam where Kali Puja was not appreciated. Where Kali rejected. Jalbara, yes, if somebody is here reading Bhagavatam and listening to Bhagavatam, right? Jalbara, then, you, you know, they wanted to offer him to Kali, and Kali killed his own worshippers. So, what does that mean? That the position of whatever Jalbara was doing much, was much, much higher than what their own worshippers were doing. Right? Now, in, when we look at this, you know, what is Srimad Bhagavatam about? If you really look at it, right, throughout the whole book, it's all about envy. Daksha, who is Daksha? Son of Brahma. He's a Prajapati, right? He's so powerful, right? He had thousands of wives. He was expert in sex life. He was a great, great enjoyer, but he had one envy. What was the envy? Lord Shiva. He could not accept that Lord Shiva was worshipped more than him. Isn't that right? Feel that? Isn't that what Sri told about? And, and the rest is consequence of that. If he, he wasn't envious about that, you know, he would have a human head rather than a goat head. Isn't that right? Look at uh, Ajamir. What was he envious about? A Brahman. Okay, this is a materialistic, right? Daksha, right? He's enjoying sense gratification of the highest uh, level, right? Who was Ajamir? A Brahman. What he was envious about? He saw a Sudra enjoying with the prostitute. Why can't I do it? Same thing, 
and his then he went and brought the prostate, lived with her, had children and everything, you know. This is, if he wasn't envious, if you accepted, okay, my position is a Brahman, I should do this, his position is that, you know, let him enjoy. Isn't that right? Now Chitraketu, in our case, he was also envious. He has 10 million wives. What, what was he envious about? Laura? He did not have a son. So he was envious, you know. How come these people have one more, one wife and have kids? I have got 10 million queens and I can't have it. Uh, and then the whole process again. So this, you see that this thing of uh, enviousness is in us. Namahabharata. Duranas Duryodhana's envy. You know? Dhritaras envy. I'm blind, but I should be the king. Why is he the king? Uh, so, this is what's happening basically. We have to get rid of this envy. The whole scriptures is talking about a little bit of envy. What is the result? You know, millions and millions of people got killed. I think it's about 600 million people got killed sometime in, somewhere in Mahabharata. Did you know that? Some, so many people. Why? Because of one person's envy. If he had accepted that, okay, he had the king, kingdom, right? Pandavas and Kauras were separated. They both had their own kingdom. But no, Duryodhana has this envy. I want more. I want the whole thing. Why did he disturb him become the emperor of the world? I should be the emperor. That was his envy. So if this is what scriptures is saying, right? And this is how powerful it is. So our idea is, see if you know something, you know what what the scriptures is trying to tell, then we when we read it, we see it differently. Now when you read Srimad Bhagavatam, he says, okay, this is the course of this. How should I avoid it? Therefore, Krishna says, Give up all other duties and surrender unto me. That is the last word in religion. So what is the main thing? Sardharmaritya. Abundant all variety of religion. So what does Krishna is saying? All the religion that relates to the body. Right? All the religion that relates to the body. Now if any religion that relates to the body, we should reject it. We should accept only that where we have to surrender to Krishna, accept his position. One may argue that the sacrifice of animal is recommended in the Vedas. This recommendation, however, is a restriction. Without Vedic restriction on the purchase of meat, people will purchase meat from the market, which will be all flooded with meat shops and slaughterhouses will be will increase. To restrict this, sometimes the Vedas says that one may eat meat after sacrificing an insignificant animal like a goat before the goddess Kali. So what does this mean? The, the scripture says, because people can't stop eating, right? So it's saying, okay, you offer it to Kali and then eat it. Now suppose you are in a jail, right? You are in a prison. And every time you want to smoke, you have to go and ask the prison, prison, prison officer, I want to smoke. 
Next time you want to smoke, you go to him. Next day time you want to go to him. After a while, what does it mean? You're going to say, what is the point, you know? Why can't you just smoke? But by going there all the time and asking him, it is just to say, okay, stop doing it. So same thing, when he, when, what Srila Prabhupada is saying, because now meat is available everywhere, right? You just go and buy it. Before, you had to go and sacrifice an animal. So there was a process, what to do, how to do it, when to do it and everything. Worship Kali, they say, and, and what, what is the prayer you say when they slaughter the animal? Anyone knows the prayer? Basically it says, I cannot control my tongue in this life, so I'm going to eat you. The next night I'll become the same and you eat Now, how many times you going to say that and say, I should stop doing it, right? Any intelligent person will do that. So this is the process basically. The idea is to restrict it. It is there because you can't stop it. In any case, a system of religion in which animal sacrifice are recommended is inauspicious for those who perform the sacrifice and for the envious on the animals. Envious person to perform auspicious animal sacrifices are condemned in Bhagavad Gita as follows. Self-complacent and always impudent, deluded by wealth and false prestige, any they sometimes perform sacrifices in name only without following any rules and regulations. Sometimes animal sacrifices are recommended very gorgeously with grand arrangements for worshipping the goddess Kali. But such festivals, although performed in the name of Yajna, are not actually Yajna. For Yajna means to satisfy the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So anything, when you do a yagna, you know, what is the purpose of yagna? What does yagna mean? Yeah? Yeah, that's what I just read, right? For the satisfaction of Krishna. So by killing somebody or some living entity, you know, does Krishna get satisfied? So it's not a yagna. Right? We just call it, by name it's yagna. So animal sacrifice is not a yagna, right? It kills, basically you are killing yourself and you are killing the other living entity. What that means is that then you have to come back as an animal again in some life and the other petrol person has to kill, right? There was a story, it was told by Mahavishnu Swami some time ago. How does karma, how far karma goes, you know? He said there was a, there was a pandit and there was a cow and there was a man, a hunter. So hunter was actually chasing the cow, he wanted to kill the cow, right? And this pandit was sitting in one place and he was doing his meditation. So the cow ran past the pandit and soon, not too long later, the hunter came. And the hunter said, did you see the cow, you know? I'm trying to kill the cow. And this pandit is thinking, saying, you know, the sage is saying, you know, I can't tell him. Because if I tell him he's going to kill, get, he kill the cow, and I'm going to get implicated, right? But he says also, I can't tell a lie. So his woman was, should I lie to him, or I should protect the cow, right? So he didn't say anything, and all he did was pointed in the direction, right? So whatever happened, the hunter went and killed the cow. So next life, 
Now this is this life, right? See how karma goes in the next life. So in next life the cow becomes a woman. Hanja is a man and the pandit is a pandit, right? So one day this pandit is roaming around, he's going in the village and he goes to this particular uh, couple's place. Now, these men and the cow in the previous life, their husband and wife now. Understand? Right? So they're married now, right? Actually killed her in the last life, this time they're married and right. So this sage, you know, this Pandit, he goes to their place, you know, and they invite him and everything. They ask him to stay overnight. And that night, that woman goes to the Pandit and says, I want to actually uh, associate with you, know, be, have an intimate relationship with you, right? And Pandit says, no, I can't actually do that, you know, that's irreligious, you know. So she starts screaming, right? She said, if you don't do that, so she starts screaming and what happens? Everybody comes, you know, and so what did this guy, you know, what happened? He said, oh, this guy was trying to rape me, you know. And then everybody gets together and say, you know, why did he do this? No, I didn't do that, you know. But nobody believes him, right? So because he's a Brahman, right, they cannot kill him, punish him. So he said, what is the punishment for that? Right? So what, what this was, so going back a little bit. So what this woman did was, to implicate him, she went and killed her husband. Right? So you see, last life, he killed her. This life, she killed him. Right? And then he started screaming and everybody came and she said that, Oh, this Pandit killed my husband. So when they got together and said, we cannot punish a Brahman, we cannot Brahman cannot, you know, be killed, so what do we do? He said, okay, let's chop his arm, the arm he used to chop, that kill him with, we will chop that arm. So just because in his previous life he pointed in the direction of the, the cow, in this life, his arm got chopped. And the man had killed the cow, and in this life, that cow being in his form as wife killed him. This, this is how subtle, right? So we cannot escape this. So we have to be very careful, you know. And we as persons, however, are condemned by the Supreme Personality of God as follows. Beholded by false ego, strength, pride, lust and anger, the demon becomes envious of the Supreme Personality of God who is situated in his own body and in the, our bodies of others and blasphemy against the real religion. Those who are envious and mischievous, who are the lowest among men, are cast by me into the ocean of material existence in various demonic species of life. These persons are condemned by the Supreme Personality of God and is indicated by the word Tapokapa. A person who commits murder is envious of himself and also the person he has killed. For the result of committing murder is that he will be arrested and hanged. If one transgresses the law of man, my government, he may escape by being killed by the state, but one cannot escape the law of God. A killer of any animal must be killed in his next life by the same animal. This is the law of the nature. One must follow the instruction of the Supreme Lord. Sardharampadi Tejama Mekam Sharanam Bhajam. 
If one follows the other system of religion, he is subjected to punishment by the Supreme Personality of Godhead in many different ways. Therefore, if one, fo one follows a concocted system of religion, he is envious not only of others but also of himself. Consequently, his system of religion is useless. So, that's what we have been talking about. These things executed by men, regardless of occupation, are only so much useless labor if they do not provoke attraction for the message of the Supreme Lord. So whatever we do, if we do not get attracted to Krishna, it's all useless. Right? There's only one religion, everything is unreligion. They say there's two kinds of people, there's Devatas and Asuras. Who is the Devata? Worship of Vishnu. Anybody who does not worship Vishnu, anybody who does not worship Krishna, right, he is a demon. It's very simple. How do we know we, who is a demon and not? You just ask the person, you know, you believe in God, you know, do you worship him? No, you are a demon, you know. Simple as that. You believe in God, you worship him, you are a devotee. That's how simple it is. Following a system of religion that does not awaken one's Krishna consciousness, or God consciousness is merely a waste of time and labor. So Srila Prabhupada, you know, in the beginning, the first statement of uh, his purpose, he says, any religious system, but the process of Bhagavad Dharma, service as an eternal servant of the Supreme Personality God, is a system of envy of one's own self and others. And then he finishes following a system of religion that does not awaken one's Krishna consciousness or God consciousness is merely a waste of time and labor. And this is what a lot of people are doing, you know, they're following religion, you know, there are different types of religion. Some people, <coughs> dharma means a nature of a person. So we all have different dharmas, you know. When you are in a material body, a dog has a particular dharma, agree? A woman has a set different kind of dharma. Man has a different dharma, right? And then depending on what mode they are, mode of goodness, passion and ignorance, they have got a different dharma, right? A chhatriya has a different dharma. A businessman has a different kind of dharma, right? But if we do not use all those things, so we have this body, if we do not use in Krishna's service, then it is a total voice. Doesn't matter what religion we follow. So, if you look at, uh, you know, just like if you even go to places like Pakistan, in, in where uh, it's predominated by Muslims, you know, they don't have slaughterhouses and things like that. Or they do that. Well, going back, they did that. If they wanted to eat animals, you know, they would uh, sacrifice or kill it and eat it. It's not that they have got meat shops and places like that. You look at it in the Christian world, you go anywhere, any supermarket, half the place is full of meat, you know, meat products. Right? So, this is, this basically shows where that particular religion is. We are not trying to condemn any religion. What we are saying is that where they are. So, it is our responsibility. Right? So, what this basically means is that whatever Prophet Muhammad gave, whatever Christ gave, in Christianity and whatever Srila Prabhupada gave, isn't there a big difference? Right? So we have to understand that the position of Srila Prabhupada is higher than both Prophet Muhammad and Jesus Christ. 
Because what he has given is above all those. People who are following Christianity, you know, right? For example, there was somebody, uh, I was listening to somebody, and he was saying that once he was just walking by one of the uh, Catholic priests, that what they call them, you know, he came and met them, right? So they all, he knew immediately, right? Because he was in his, uh, his uh, Vaishnava attire. So he came to ask, yes, I want to know what you guys are doing. So he spoke and gave the uh, spirit. So he understood that I'm going to speak for 20 minutes. This priest is going to talk for 40 minutes. Because that's what they want. They just want to start a conversation and then preach, you know. So after he gave his spirit, you know, spoke about it, he said, I've got a couple of questions. So he said, what are your questions? And so he got interested, just like he wanted to know, he said. He said, if a Muslim person goes to McDonald's and he buys whatever, so if you go to McDonald's or one of those fast foods, you know, where they sell meat, you know, and if you buy something and you come out and eat, will anyone question you? He said, no. He said, what about a Muslim person? He goes to some place where they have got all halal meat and everything, and he buys something and comes out. Will anybody question him? No. He said, if I go to one of these places, and I buy the same thing and I bring it out, he said, even a commoner in the street, he said, oh, what are you doing? You, know? you guys say you are vegetarian. No. He said, what does the scripture tell us? Thou shalt not kill him. But because you guys are doing it, so this is basically says what level they are at. So what Srila Prabhupada has given us is way higher than any other religion in there. Prabhupada has given us Sabadharma. Right? So this is our responsibility now. Because Srila Prabhupada has given us, we have to understand this and give it to others. Then we become a follower of Srila Prabhupada. Because what Srimad Bhagavatam is, what Sri Bhagavad Bhagavad Gita is, you know, this is way above anything that is available outside there. And this is our great responsibility. So killing a person is of two kinds. You kill a person, right? Being envious of a person is basically killing somebody. And being envious of a person is also that when you have something good, you don't give it to the other person. Oh, I have got it. Why should he get it? I am a devotee. Why should he become a devotee? Isn't that right? So it is our duty to go and preach. And it's very easy. Just sell Prabhupada's book. Just distribute Srila Prabhupada's book. Everything Prabhupada has is in there. You give Prabhupada to people, you give Bhagavad Gita, Srimad Bhagavatam, you give Krishna to people. But to do that, how do you have to do that? You have to be approachable. Isn't that right? Sometimes you become just like, you know, you know I'm, I'm such a big devotee, you know, people can't approach me. I was talking to my wife the other day, you know, and she was talking about that when she was walking here, you know, Guru Vandana. And she was saying, you know, when there were weddings, they used to have weddings here, you know. Most of the time people don't, devotees don't, don't talk to those people. They're alienated. 
They had to mind their own business, do the wedding and everything in there. She said, I used to go and talk to these people. I used to go and approach them. I used to, so that they feel they're welcome here. Then they can come to the temple. Isn't that right? How many times we have got new people coming here, sitting in the courtyard, you know, devotees walking around here. Take some time, go and mingle with them, talk to them, you know, encourage them, tell them what we are all about. It's not that you come to the temple, you have darshan, you sit down and, you know, you do all those things in your own place, in your own time. We have people who come to the temple and we can't preach to them. In my opinion, that's what the Brahmacharis and Brahmacharis should be doing, you know. They don't give them some prasada, you know, make them, you know, uh, encourage them, make them, you know, just like, uh, give them nice hospitality. So they feel like, okay, I can come here. Isn't that right? Isn't that what we should be doing, you know? We were lucky, you know, we came to the temple once. I got, the first time I went to the temple was for Prashadami. And somehow there yeah, I listened to the classes, people talked to me, I asked questions, they answered, you know. And I said, oh, this, this looks interesting. So we have to create the same environment. We don't have to go and in the city and try to grab people and preach to them. They're already coming here. We are very fortunate, this temple has so many people coming in here, you know. Sunday, uh, Sunday feast and a lot of people hear about that. They come here, but how many of us really preach here? Most of them don't come. You know, when they're giving classes, how many people are in the class? Isn't that right? Most of the people are away, outside there. So we have to go where? They are coming. His Honest Kamal Krishna Maharaj was saying, he said, Srila Prabhupada said, you have understood this movement. This is when Srila Gurudev had actually put the buzzers. You know, rather than more than first party. He said, people don't come, so you are taking this to them. And that's what we have to do. We have to create an environment. We have to go and preach to people. We have to go and sit down with them so that they can know that, oh, I can actually be like that. I know, I have the same problem. As you grow up in the beginning, you think you are a devotee, everybody else is a demon. Isn't that right? I'm a devotee, everybody else is a demon. In a way, everybody is a devotee of Krishna. Because we are all part of Krishna. But some of us have forgotten. So we have to give them Bhagavad Dharma. We have to give them the religion of the soul. And how do you do that? By giving them association. How do you get this? How did we get it in the beginning? By the association of God. We, and then when you give them the association, you preach to them, they hear about all these things. Eventually they have questions and things like that, you know. They take prasada, you know. You invite them to a Sunday feast or somewhere and slowly and slowly they become devotees. That's how we became devotees. And the more we associate with devotees, the more we associate with Krishna, you know, by coming to the temple. And then one day, by the mercy of Krishna, Krishna will reveal. See, we think we are devotees. But are we really devotees? Are we there yet? 
अभी क्यों है हम ये पसी राधा बल्लभ आए नौ देखे Profit or loss is his. 
Does that make sense? Now if somebody works for themselves, if they make a lot of money, whom does the money belong to? And if they lose the money then, it's their loss, right? So this is how we have to look at it. If you are doing things for yourself, right, and you kill somebody, then what happens? You have to suffer the consequence. But if you work for Krishna, then whatever happens is his problem. Isn't that right? So when you become a devotee and you are doing things for Krishna, right, then you don't feel suffer the consequences. But you have to see how you can do everything for Krishna. That is the important thing. Most of the time we don't understand this point, you know. You have to, it's all about consciousness. I've said the same thing many times, I'll say it again so that you can understand this point, right? Now suppose you have cauliflower and potato. There are three kinds of people. You are at home, a karmi. What does he do? Cuts the potato, cauliflower, cooks it. And what do they do? They eat it. Right? What is that? Karma. Isn't it right? Now the other person right, has the cauliflower and potato. He wants to eat the cauliflower potato sachi. Same process, cuts it, cooks it, right? He's like us. You know, at home we want to eat something. But before we eat, what do we do? We offer it. So what is that? That is Karma Yoga. You are trying to do that but you have got Krishna in there. Then there is a third person. There is cauliflower and potato and he is saying, Oh, I think Krishna will like this. Right? So let me cook that and offer it to Krishna. What is that? That is Bhakti Yoga. So it is the same thing. Those three people did the same thing. But the difference was the consciousness. So whatever we do in our life, we have to try to think it. You go to school every day, right? So you have to do, have this consciousness. Why am I going to school? Why, do you, why are you going to school? To learn what? What, what is the purpose of it? You know, so you have to think like that. Okay, I am going to school so I can learn nicely. So I can actually preach to people. So what is the goal? So I can give Krishna consciousness when you go to. Then every time you go to school, it becomes bhakti yoga. Now I want to go to school so I get a nice job, so I can have a nice car, nice house, you know. Then I can travel the world. Then it becomes karma. Does that make sense? So it's all about consciousness. In what consciousness you do stuff. We go to work. What do we the purpose of the work? You know, I want to, I've got a family. They're all devotees. Krishna has given to them. So I have to go to work, you know, get them and maintain them. I give certain amount of money to the temple or I do some spiritual activities and things like that. So it's the consciousness what you want to actually achieve. That's all it is. And if you're thinking of like that, whatever you are doing, you are doing for Krishna and your Guru, then you don't have. Actually, at the time of initiation, how many of you are initiated here? Okay. At the time of initiation, we give ourselves to Guru. After that, we don't belong to ourselves. So whatever we should be doing, it's a nice consciousness that whatever I'm doing, I'm doing for the spiritual master. And the Guru never tells, leave your job and everything, right? 
he tells us to change 60 grounds, follow the four regulative principles, you know, preach. You know, that's what we do. And we are doing that. We are doing it for Guru. Guru is doing Srila Gurudev, is doing it for Srila Prabhupada. And whatever Prabhupada is doing is for Radha and Krishna. Does that make sense? Any other comments? Any questions? Tick. Grantra Shuma Bhagavatam Kijay, Shakopad Kijay, Shakonitai Kijay, Shishirada Vallava Kijay, Jagannath Pandev Subhada Devi Kijay, Lord Pramanandi, Panchkal Puteru Parishat, Pasundi, Chakatita, Pasundi, Parishundi,